in both our first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah and then from the same passage quoted in the gospel reading, we've heard of the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali. These were two of the tribes among the 12 tribes of Israel. And their particular territory was far off to the north within the Holy Land, near the Sea of Galilee. And it was their land that was among the first to be crushed, to be humiliated, in their case by the Assyrian Empire in the 8th century BC. Something that would then follow from the Assyrian Empire and then the Babylonian, from both the north and the south kingdoms. And so it is, how appropriate that for these who were the first to be crushed by this oppression, that they would be the first to hear the saving message of our Lord Jesus. So that as the first among this land that had so long been oppressed under shadows and darkness, into this land and in this particular part first, our Lord Jesus proclaimed his message, shining light into that darkness. As he said, the kingdom of God is here. It's right at hand. And so it was that he brought his light. And we notice that he not only proclaimed this kingdom, but he proclaimed a message of repentance. Repentance, a change from one thing to another, in leaving behind of sinful or evil attitudes in thoughts, in mind or heart or in outward action, leaving these behind to turn instead to change, to instead follow the way that he taught, to seek instead holiness, goodness, and purity. Because the light that he brought in darkness, he wanted to bring above all right into our hearts and minds. And so when we make that change, when we leave evil ways behind and turn and change to the good ways that he leads us to. And we open our hearts. We open our minds. We cooperate with this transformation that he wants to bring about. We let the light into the very core of who we are and how we live. And we notice that right away from the very beginning, even as he began to proclaim his message, even as his public ministry began, what did he do? But he called four particular men to follow him. Peter and Andrew, James and John. And this is not an accident. For in the very heart of this project of his, as he sought to bring this light to all, and to transform everyone, calling every one of us to holiness, it's a way of bringing this about. He would give individual calls to individual people. Now, to these four, this was a calling to become, as we would later find out, four of the twelve apostles. Now, that particular call only applied to twelve, so it did not apply to any one of us. But to each one of us, he also has a call. The overarching call to holiness, to become saints. But then a particular call to each one of us that will be different to one of those states of life. To some, to priesthood. To some, to religious life. To others, indeed, to most, to marriage and family. And we notice that 
in the case of these four that he called to be apostles, he came to them right in the midst of their daily work. You notice the connections he made. Peter and Andrew were casting the net into the sea. He said, come after me, and I'll use those skills you have. Only now, instead of fishing for fish, you'll be fishing for human beings, seeking to attract them to me. And to James and John, he saw them mending their nets. Although he doesn't say it in the Gospel reading, we can well imagine he might have said, come after me and we'll use those net-mending skills, only now you'll be mending the hearts of men and women. And so he would put to work, put to use, all their past experiences, all their skills, only now for a new project, cooperating in the spread of his kingdom. And so it is also for those that he calls to marriage and to family. For all of us, prior to hearing his call and entering into the state of life he calls us to, all of us have had experiences and skills and things that we learned and did. And not one of those things will be left behind. So we may well imagine that he might have met you as you were teaching and said, come follow me. I don't want to have you use those skills as a teacher in teaching your own children. Perhaps you were working in the medical field. He said, come follow me. I'll have you bring medical healing to your own children. Perhaps you've seen some of those lists out on the internet. For now, we'll focus on mothers, although we could say the same thing about fathers. We consider, what is it to be a mother? Is it a small thing? Not at all. For what different things must a mother be to her children but an alarm clock, a cook, a maid, a waitress, a teacher, a nurse, a handyman, a security officer, a photographer, a counselor, an event planner, a personal assistant, and an ATM. All of these things are part of living out the calling to be a mother. We could make similar lists for fathers. These are great callings. Difficult, challenging, and in the end, amazing. And we know that as those who follow this calling are living out all these roles, it is not only to prepare children for this earthly life, but remember it is part of our Lord's own project. So it is that it is part of the project of making saints, of helping to bring his light into their hearts, allow it to shape their persons so that they may become truly fit for the kingdom of heaven, truly glorious creatures, free and good and holy, just as he wants them to be. Now, in seeking to live out this high calling, as demanding and multifaceted as it is, no one is alone. But there is help in living out this calling from our Lord Jesus. Some of that help comes from our Catholic schools. And so as we begin this National Catholic Schools Week, I'd like to invite forward to speak to us the new principal of our St. Martin's School, Mr. Andrew Petrowski. <laughs> 